Blog Talk Radio. This is BC Radio Live with Philip and Eric. Live online at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio. Aloha. Welcome to BC Radio Live. It is January 23rd, 2008. Tonight on the show, Douglas Caballero, Alex Simmons, and Deanna Cohen from Current TV. They're debuting All Eyes on My Morning Jacket next week on Current.com. Also, Vividot delivers full-screen video streaming, and we'll talk with Ian Mullen, North American CEO of Vividot. Finally, bassist and producer Harvey Brooks will be on the program to talk about his amazing career and his current life in Tucson, Arizona, and on YouTube. But first, we'll take just a minute or two to check in on the BC Radio Network. The chat room is now open at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio, and the video feed is now running. So add your questions and comments, which might just make it onto the show. I am Philip Wynn, Chief Geek at BC Magazine. And I am joined tonight by Eric Olson, founder and publisher of BC Magazine. Welcome, Eric. Welcome, thanks, and all. Philip, how are you? Oh, I'm scrambling. I actually had a, a web browser crash right just as the show started, so uh, I'm trying to recover, make sure I've got all my ducks in a row, and carry on with the show. Well, I, I called in at the last possible second. I cut it as finely as possible, so uh, I know what you mean. I'm feeling scrambling, too. But, boy, we have a great show tonight, don't we? We're all over the map. I love when we combine you know, all different areas of, of thought and interest because we are nothing if not eclectic individuals, and, of course, Blog Critics is about as eclectic as it gets. That's exactly right. In fact, we, uh, our network, our, our Blog Critics Radio Network, as one example of that, just, I mean, just keeps growing and growing. We're, we're constantly adding new shows. In fact, not even just adding new shows. It seems like every time I turn around, we're adding a new sports show specifically. Uh, we've had Treehouse Sport with uh, Matt Sussman and Tuffy on Monday nights at 8 p.m. and Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. And we've just, last week, added Performance Enhancing Radio with Sal Marinello on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. We had Sal on our show last week, remember? Sure do. He did a great and, job. And uh, Health and Fitness Advice also with Sal Marinello at 11 a.m. on Saturday. But even that is... Uh, Still not all. This Friday, just two days from now, uh, marks the launch of our new ice hockey show, Frozen Chosen. And aren't you a hockey aficionado, Philip? I, I am. I'm, I'm quite a fan. I, I suppose less so uh, lately than in years past, simply because uh, you know I'm working too hard on blog critics to have time to catch all the games. But I know that I will be tuning in for a couple of episodes of Frozen Chosen for sure. And that's with Jeeves, that, of course. Friday nights at 9 p.m. with Jeeves, absolutely. In fact, uh, that will be the debut this Friday. And, of course, the shows we already have just keep getting better and better. Uh, I've actually been quite delighted with the teenage world of Maddie Smiley Face that we uh, talked about when it debuted. Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. comes on one hour before this show. In fact, it just got over. And uh, now Maddie has uh, recruited her twin sister, Amanda, onto the show. And it's, uh, it's quite a fascinating listen. A little giggly at times, but... Uh, We're calling it the bookends show now. <laughs> well, and uh, Josh Hathaway is hosting the B-Sides Concept Album program on Thursday nights at 10 p.m. And I'm told he's going to have a special guest this week. Uh, I have a caller on the line. I don't think it's Josh, based on caller ID. Um, I suspect this is actually Current TV. Is this Josh or Current TV? This is Current TV. All right, well, hold on just a second. Then I just want to mention real quickly that uh, Josh is going to be having Barrett Martin on his show Thursday at uh, 9 p.m., or sorry, 10 p.m. Eastern. So that's definitely worth tuning into for the B-Sides Concept album. Yeah, okay. in case Josh doesn't show up, Barrett was an absolutely integral figure to the whole Seattle scene in the 90s. He was a drummer of the Screaming Trees. He was in Mad Season. He even drummed for R.E.M. Um, after uh, uh, Bill Barry left or was right. disabled. And now he has his own label, and that, that will be quite a show. Don't forget Don's show. Uh, she's right. really excited. She's got her first real big-time interview. Ian Halperin, author uh, who's got a new book about uh, about Hollywood, and, and he's right there in the mix, Hollywood uh, Confidential, and it's really a big expose on the whole Hollywood 
Scientology scene, and he got yeah. I think there's there's obviously a lot of news going on right now with the the Scientology video that Gawker's hosting and uh, the legal fight, and there's an internet attack going on right now. It's it's all quite fascinating. In fact, shortly before this uh, show started, I I was spending some time with people and talking about all the uh, the misadventures lately and with that group. So that's going to be an interesting discussion on Sunday night, ten o'clock at 10 p.m. Eastern, so let's tune in for that. Glosslip. So, yeah, the network's really growing. We're really excited, and we are very, very excited to have our friends from Current TV ba- uh, back with us. We've had our, our, lone, our lone technical difficulty we had. We think we've traced it down to the, to the conference call. These guys are being all efficient and everything and being smart and called in on a, on a conference line. And we had some weird technical problems. We had echoing and all kinds of, all kinds of icky nonsense, and that really, really uh, disturbed what would have been a great interview. So we invited them to come back, and uh, they are doing so in conjunction with a brand new show. So why don't we talk right. about that? So Douglas Caballero is the host and producer of The Daily Fix on Current TV. Alex Simmons is director and producer for The Fix. And Deanna Cohen is the director of music programming for Current TV. Welcome to BC Radio Live, everybody. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Excited to be here. We should uh, we should warn you that uh, Deanna is not here, but uh, you've got uh, Douglas and Alex here, and we're uh, we're just as pretty. We're yeah. just as pretty. I can tell by the tonality of the voices that it was likely Deanna was not one of you. She's a very firm woman, but no, she's, she's <laughs> it, not. Here. She's got really strong hands. <laughs> well, it's great to great to talk with you guys again. Yeah, please tell us all about the All Eyes on My Morning Jacket. I think we were starting to talk about it last time, but now it's 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 uh, the debut is soon. Why don't you tell us what it's about and when it's going to be on and how to get there and all that good stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it uh, it debuts on the 29th of January at uh, 10 p.m. Pacific and Eastern Standard Time on Current TV and Current.com. And uh, you can actually see a trailer right now at uh, current.com slash fix, which is uh, our show, and there's a 30-second teaser up there. But uh, basically the premise of the All Eyes uh, piece is uh, we did this once before with the shins. It was called All Eyes on the Shins. And uh, the idea is to go to one show, to one concert, and get as many fans as possible to uh, pull out cell phones or digital cameras and film one song, and then upload that footage to our website, and we put it all together into one concert video from all the hundreds of different angles. And so we, we did it once with the shins, kind of as an experiment, and uh, we we thought it worked out okay. And we, we we've been trying to do it again for a while, and it, because of a lot of logistics, it took a while. But we got um this band that we really love, My Morning Jacket, to uh, agree to do with it, do it with us at a Lollapalooza last August in Chicago, and um, we've been, you know, filing through the footage, the, the you know, hundreds and hundreds of clips of all kinds of different footage uh, ever since, and uh, we're, we're, we're still, you know, it's not, it's uh, very close to done, but it's going to come down to the wire, but uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be on the air on the 29th of January either way. Ooh, exciting, I like that, taking it to the wire. Yeah, that's how we tend to do everything, so. Well, it's a monumental uh, process i mean i can only imagine i mean having to yeah i would think just quality control how how do you do that i mean how do you match it all up or do you or is that just not you just can't yeah, control I mean, that i mean there's definitely like issues with like on the post side of like you know like everyone has a different file type but as far as the way it looks to the viewer that was actually part of the the beauty of it was that we really truly wanted it to be uh as you know, we wanted it to look as, as real as possible, and so the, we, you know, we, we actually um, love the fact that most of the footage was, you know, grainy. You yeah, know. you get a wide mix of qualities, I noticed. Most of it not, you know, certainly not broadcast quality, but I've just been amazed, even among cell phones and little handheld things, how much variation there is from clip to clip. There is. Yeah, a lot of digital cameras actually shoot pretty good video these days. Um, but you know that that being said, you know that that sort of embodies what we were looking to to sort of achieve, which was we really were trying to figure out the best platform to sort of in, it, to capture that uh, audience uh, band connection. You know that, that that thing that happens when a band plays live to a bunch of rabid fans, and this is what we came up with. You know, this is our way of democratizing it to the best uh, of our abilities. It's kind of cubist, isn't it? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think uh, it's more uh, like pointillism sometimes ah. with all the, uh, the different uh, the pixels that you see so clearly. Um, yeah. yeah, there's quite a bit of stippling. <laughs> <laughs> are you, are you um, is it, in the final outcome, are you having one um, clip on at a time, or are you breaking up the screen? We, we did a few things. Um, well, one thing I should say, which it's, it was kind of the mission last time and the mission again, is to use every single clip, at least for one frame. So of, of all the hundreds of clips, there's, there's some part of it in, in the whole thing of each one. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I think at various times you'll see there's one part where you see all of them at once, and not to give it away, but uh, why not? There, there's one part where you see all of them at once. There's the other parts where you see just flash frames of them. Um, there's other times where you see two or three of them, but uh, but uh, most of the time it's one clip at a time, and uh, uh, it's it's just kind of amazing how many different angles. That's the thing that always blows me away: how many different uh, places people send in from, and it's it's really cool to, you know, because like the best concert film, even you know the the biggest multi-million-dollar concert film has the most, maybe thirty or forty cameras and, and this is you know in the hundreds and hundreds of angles from uh, every every side of the stage so fascinating it really is it's such a cool concept and I, i'm really looking forward to seeing yeah. how this one comes out my you have you have my interest peaked that's for sure so did, was there anyone like inside the singer's pants uh, you know the, um i i tried and i'm i'm a, I'm a rather thin fellow but i i couldn't fit um, but we did um, actually give cameras. Uh, one of the, one of the cherry on top cherries on top of this is that uh, the band was uh, backed up by the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra. Oh. So uh, they were on stage playing, and as as well as the fact that they actually had some little cameras with them. There were people on stage. There were uh, people up above um, on those risers that uh, typically are on either side and above uh, stages at big music festivals, and um, there were. Uh, you know, obviously, all of the you know cameras out in the crowd. So they're basically you almost pretty much have a 360 degree view of the band throughout. Wow, that really is neat. Um, musically, are are you are using their audio, or did you put in your own audio? We we have the festival's um, multi-track, bazillion-track uh, audio. So it's uh, you get exactly what you would have heard if you'd gotten a live DVD um, from the band. Wow. I, th- I think people will put up with a lot as far as visually. Um, less than uh, perfect footage. It's almost charming, I think, but the the audio we felt, you know, as soon as you hear bad audio, I think even if you're not consciously doing it, I think at least subconsciously you, you yeah. tune it out and you can't, it hurts to listen to, you know? Right. So that, it was key to have really the band sounding their best, but uh, yeah. use all the different types of footage. Yeah, just because there's there's fans, you know, generating the, the video, I mean, we, Alex and I like to think of this as these, uh, you know, these these things that we do is we, we've been sort of Affectionately calling them audience-generated, you know, concert videos. So, it's, <laughs> so you know, the, the footage is, you know, from the fans, but you're still getting that, you know, amazing rock and roll um, sound. Well, that's that's the best of both worlds. Sounds like to me that that makes it that much better. How long is it? Uh, the, the, it's about four and a half minutes long with a, a little intro. Per, Perry Farrell actually comes out, and um, at, at the festival he came out. And uh, announced the the project and uh, told everyone to to pull out their uh, video cameras, and then uh, the the band starts and uh, they play their full song. So it's about four and a half minutes long. So it's a single song. I see. Yeah, it's one. So it's it's one song and and it's it's just one um, you know uninterrupted performance. Right. But uh, then all put together with the hundreds of clips. Amazing. How, do you intend for this to be an ongoing series if you can convince more bands to sign up for yeah. this? This is the uh, this is the second uh, one we've done, right. and uh, you know as Alex alluded to earlier, there were logistical issues with um, you know getting this lined up. But um, now that we've done this, it's the the ball has started to roll uh, more smoothly and uh, faster now with lining up more bands. And we have other ways to do it, other you know other ideas for how we could you know make it look different each time. You know whether it be over the course of well, actually, I'm not going to tell you what it's going to say, but, uh, <laughs> but we have we have we're squeezing you like sponges for yeah, all this. We, we have more ideas than we can uh, than we can share over the phone as to you know like how we can make it bigger and better and do it more often and it's in the works. Yeah, I think look, looking back at the one we did with the shins, it was um, like I said earlier, kind of an experiment if if we could even pull it off. And then this one, I feel like, takes it you know another step or two 
yeah. or, or ten it does. as far as uh, what, what it looks like and uh, the different things we did. And then, you know, who, who knows what uh, what may happen. It, it took us a long time. You know, it takes it, it's, it's a colossal effort to do these, and um, we'd, we'd maybe like to do more of them if we could, but it, it is a major effort. So I'm not sure when the next one will be, but I think... We uh, we definitely are interested. Yeah, and and to to, to pat ourselves on the back, uh, when we we did this with the shins, Alex and I were um, actually working as independent filmmakers for Current TV at the time. Uh, we were doing what they call VC squared work, which is viewer created content, and we had been doing quite a, and we were making a lot of music segments for the network or, or segments. Uh, we also call them pods here at Current TV, and we'd made a lot, and that was one that we did with when it was so. In effect, it was actually two guys <laughs> who put together the very first one, all by ourselves. Whoa! And so wow. this uh, this time around, we had you know the network behind it, and now that it's being seen as something that people that's a compelling piece of art and that people are really interested in, there's going to be more um, behind it each successive time we go out. And it's a compelling piece of editing too, I'm sure. Yeah. Wow. I have to commend Alex. He, he'll he'll never take any credit, but he oversaw the editing, and he uh, he's very. Um, he has a really great eye for how to put this all together. You guys, are, I mean, you're in a way you're creating literally a new genre. I mean, I, I think it's really quite interesting. It's it's uh, it's it's combining, it's taking you know the whole mashup and the mentally you're you're bringing in the ideas of of the current internet of the 2.0 and putting it into a single work of art. So yeah, I, I think, think if you went to YouTube and you and you went and you you, you chose a, a, a you know a big band that you know like say let's say a big festival happened last week and you typed in that big band's name and the name of the festival you're going to get you know just an enormous amount of people's clips they've uploaded from that show that performance and in some ways this is kind of like we're taking that aggregation and we're putting and we're putting it all together and we're putting a you know huge creative like brushstroke across it and bringing it into, into one you know, kind of like, uh, but, but with much better sound. Yeah, it was mu- with much better sound. Yeah, condensing it is is what you're doing. Yeah, in, in some ways, yeah, you know, and there's, there's a lot of creative. Uh, I mean, Alex put a lot of like uh, like his own touch on it too. It's not it, it, there's you, as you'll you, you'll as you'll see when it debuts. It's 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 more than just a bunch of clips put together. There's there's quite a quite a bit of artistry put into it. Well, that's super. Let's tell everyone one more time uh, where they could see it and when. And then let's not forget to mention, you know, you guys are on, what, Daily, right? You do a Daily show? Yes. The, the Daily Fix, we have two shows, actually. We have The Current Fix, which is the network's flagship uh, music journalism program where Alex and I travel around and uh, we shoot bands, we go on adventures with them, we try to put them in an engaging and compelling light and uh, try to break bands um, and try to also uh, show uh, established bands in ways you wouldn't normally see that, that established band, and that those are on all the time. The current fix, and then the daily fix, which is definitely on every day, is um, the first music blog on television. So, yeah. What, what are I, some of the things you've done with that lately? Uh, with the, oh, with the daily fix. Well, uh, what haven't we done with the daily fix? We've we've broken, you know bands before their albums have come out. We've um, been able to engage with artists. Uh, a lot of artists are actually really hip to the idea of sort of, if they don't have to step out their door, they could just get on their webcam. <laughs> They're like really into the idea of communicating with um, you know, viewers via just you know, answering questions over the webcam. You know, so we get that sort of personal like, you know, connection that we can then bring to the fans. Um, we, uh, this week, I guess we can talk about this week, we... Uh, we have a piece that's airing. It's about um, the Moldy Peaches, which is a band that was featured on the Geno soundtrack, and uh, how they are come gone from being basically like sort of a cult uh, band from from the past to now playing The View with Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's quite a transition, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Too. They've been in uh, some other soundtracks too. Yeah, yeah, and too um, we. Too also like we, we kind of went, scoured the web to, in, in, uh, to figure out what uh, indie artists had aligned with what um, pop, uh, presidential candidates. So to put that together and give you to giving you a presidential uh, voting guide via uh, you know rock and roll artist as of as of today. Um, sounds like a terrific gig for you guys, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not a bad job. No, yeah, and, no, but it sounds like you really put in your. You paid your dues in that you uh, you came in as independents, right? And I imagine they they just saw you as the pick of the as the cream of the crop and brought you in. Well, let's hope. Yeah, either, either that or the only ones that wanted to do it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, 
So, for people yeah. who are who are just you know completely unfamiliar with Current and how it works, let's let's tell them you know how they can find your material and and Current in general and kind of how it works, just in case they oh, yeah. don't know. Okay, yeah. Well, Current TV is on most uh, cable and satellite providers in the U.S. Unfortunately, I can't tell you where my what the channel is wherever you may live. Um, however, you can always find us on the web. Uh, Current.com is the website for the network. And specifically for our shows, for the Daily Fix, you can go to current.com slash daily fix. And for the fix, you can go to current.com slash fix. And all of our programming is there. Excellent. Very nice. Well, thank you very much, Douglas and Alex, for coming back on the show. I'm sorry again about the technical problems we had last time, and I'm glad we were able to you know, put things together and get you on to promote your your show and, and to talk about the new stuff you're doing. I, I'm itching to watch All Eyes on My Morning Jacket. I actually did check out All Eyes on the Shins, and I'm somewhat of a fan of the Shins, so that was kind of nice. Uh, I've never heard of All Eyes on My Morning Jacket before about last week, so, or I'm sorry, of My Morning Jacket before about last week. So I'm going to be uh, tuning in and seeing what I can learn about a new band for me. Yeah, this, this song is going to be epic. <laughs> yeah, let, yeah, let us know what you think. All right, we absolutely will. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Our pleasure. Thank you. Well, the Internet is actually increasingly turning into a place for video. We're finding uh, Current.com is, is, of course, leading the way musically. Uh, YouTube is probably the best-known name in, in online video in terms of tiny, low-quality uh, home videos. But I think that's really just the beginning. Full-screen HD video, everybody would agree, is the future. And Vividos.com is one company offering that full-screen HD. Uh, live or on demand, and they're doing it already. Ian Molland is the North American CEO of Vividos and should be on the line right now. Welcome to BC Radio Live, Ian. Yes, hi, everybody. Hi it's there. Very nice to have you on here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to, uh, to sharing some more information about Vividos with you. Now, how do you see... I mean, I guess, I guess we can jump right in. Basically, your company does full screen, no matter how big a screen you've got, video, up to HD quality. When we say HD quality, what, what specific quality are we talking about there? So we're able to deliver a 720p uh, HD source and stream it over the Internet um, at speeds from about 1.1 megabits per second upwards. Um, wow, so, so it's uh, less than a T1 to deliver HD video. Absolutely. So if you're, if you're watching at home on a DSL or a cable connection, you'll be able to watch the, uh, the HD streams that we can do. Very nice. Now, I actually had a couple questions. Uh, when, I, when I looked into your technology, I think I, I had two reactions to the initial information that I saw. And I, I, I guess I've just got to ask you, put the hard questions to you. Um, you're relying on Java. And I wondered, is Java really, I mean, is that a choice that you find most people do have? Is that ever a problem for you? Well, in fact, Java Java is actually the default, so, and we use Java as a way of detecting whether or not you're running a, a PC or a Mac. So, our, our, uh, what, what what's different about Vividas and the way in which we deliver, um, as you've experienced, we don't we don't require you to download and install a client before you watch our videos. So, what we're doing is we're going to deliver the player each and every time we uh, a, a viewer or user clicks on to watch it. So. The Java actor that starts that you saw is, is actually the default, but we also have an ActiveX version. So it depends on what's available on your, uh, on your machine, um, but Java tends to be the default. Uh, and from experience, in terms of you know, viewing experiences and numbers of people watching it, um, it, it doesn't seem to be uh, an issue. And I say if it's not there, um, it rolls over to ActiveX. And yeah, I, 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 use, I use Firefox, so I noticed I ended up with Java both on a Windows machine and on a Mac. But that okay. said... Uh, it works for me on all the computers I've tried it on so far as well, and I, I was pretty impressed. Yeah, and, and, all, and I say all it's doing is it, what it's doing is it's determining what sort of machine you're playing, and once it knows that, then our server delivers a player that's going to sort of optimize the viewing experience. So, you know, what we're doing is sort of customizing the delivery of the player to your particular machine and viewing environment. Now, when I went to your site, and that's uh, vividas.com, v-i-v-i-d-a-s.com, for anybody that wants to to tune in as well. Uh, you've got some pretty nice demos on there. Uh, I'm a big fan of the movie Casino Royale, so I watched that full screen. And I've, I've got a pretty high-resolution screen on my, uh, my MacBook Pro, and uh, it, was, it was impressive video. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, it looks great on the computer. Um, and I don't know yet if you've had a chance to try it. But if, if you're able to take your computer and plug it into an even uh, larger screen, you know, your your 42 inch or your 50 inch, it, it'll also size up to the size of that screen. So not only a great delivery um, from a computer, a large computer screen, but actually, um, it, you know, tremendous experience from a, from a large um, home. Uh, theater type screen as well. So what we don't do is we don't stretch the picture. We're you know we're sizing it based on the size of the screen. So you're truly getting a great delivery experience, but but via the uh, but via the internet. Now this now Vividest is providing a technology. It's not it's not some sort of situation like YouTube where people upload their own videos. You're partnering with a bunch of companies. Is that is that right? That, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, we, we see ourselves as a video technology provider, and what we're looking to do is provide uh, our clients with the best possible delivery mechanism for delivering the high-quality video. So, you know, we're, we're working with a, a number of uh, you know very large organizations. So, I mean, you mentioned Sony, and, and we do a lot of work with Sony. In fact, all their trailers um, go out using uh, using our technology for uh, on demand. Um, and then we work with people like uh, Fox Sports. Fox Sports. Right. Yeah, and that, and that. So we we actually have so we have the on-demand offering, which would be the Casino Royale, or we have live technology. So we can actually take a live feed um, and then distribute it on the uh, you know, directly to the internet um, with about a delay of about 30 to 40 seconds, but uh, very very high quality. So what we do for Fox is uh, we're, we're streaming English Premier League soccer um, that we can make available for the U.S. audience, and uh, and that's proved very successful and. Yeah, and again, a lot of people using not only the, the, the PC or, or the Mac to watch it, but will actually watch it um, in their home environment on the large screen. Uh, and you know, again, the feedback around the quality is that if you, you know, if you're sitting there on the couch watching it, it's it's as good as the traditional broadcast quality. So um, it's pretty. Now, exciting. I also I also saw that you recently uh, inked a partnership or started working with Pajamas Media. I saw a couple of uh, political interviews. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's another exciting development. I mean, what's interesting about our business is we're working with uh, you know a, a, a myriad of different companies doing different streaming and different markets. So Pajamas, um, their particular uh, focus is on is is in the blog space and, and in the political scene, um, and they uh, they managed to uh, get a little bit of a coup recently where they had uh, a number of interviews um, that were provided uh, on a fairly exclusive basis. So they they had John McCain and uh, Giuliani doing. Uh, um, some uh, direct interviews with them. So we were, uh, and Pajamas have started using our technology to stream this video out to their, uh, you know, to their audience. So and just a tremendous feedback. Um, again, I think if, as you look at Vivid Ass, and, and you've obviously had a chance to do Casino Royale, the, the, the experience when people watch it, um, they're blown away by it. I mean, I think people are very used to the traditional players and all the problems that come with that, with the size, the fact that it buffers and it jitters. Well, the viewing experience with Vividas is so unique um, you know, that we, we end up getting um, you know, lots and lots of email uh, comments, phone comments, just saying, I can't believe how, you know, how great your technology is. So Pajamas were, were really pleased by that. They got a lot of feedback, um, both from the, the, the campaign headquarters for the, uh, for the, uh, the two candidates as well as, uh, as, well as viewers. Yeah, I have to say, I, I actually never used to really have a problem with the quality of you know YouTube videos or the sort of videos that I saw around the web from various websites. And then I, I watched the uh, McCain interview. I watched Casino Royale and a couple of the other demos on your site. And uh, ever since then, YouTube has really been annoying and frustrating. I, I hit the full screen button, and it just it it looks like you know dog vomit or something compared to Vividas. It's just incredible the picture you guys managed to deliver. Right. Uh, Hi, uh, Eric here. I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but I I'm just really curious. Being you know not um, technologically inclined, but I very much appreciate the results of technology. I'm just wondering if you can put it maybe in layman's terms. How were you guys able to make this leap? I mean, how were you able to achieve this? Yeah, so what we have, I mean, I suppose we've addressed the, the delivery in a different way. So what we're doing is really using the power of the, of the computer to help generate the video. So rather than just install a standalone player, which you get with the Windows Media or uh, RealPlayer, what we're doing is leveraging the power of the graphics, the sound card, the processing um, you know, power that, that that provides. So rather than, in, you know, rather again, run a standalone player that tends to be very intensive on the CPU, 
we're actually using the, the power of the, of the graphics and sound cards. So we're able to drive much, much greater quality. And, and what's great about it, so if you ever, again, if you're, if, you're watching a, um, if you're watching a live feed, for example, and if you shrink the screen and, and have it on the, you know, on the top right of your, of your monitor or even put it across on another monitor, we're not using CPU. So we're, well, sorry, we're using very little CPU, so probably sort of 10 15% which means you can still do you know, email, IM, you can do all your, your other applications and have them running um, and not be impacted by the fact that your video is, is watching, you know, you're able to watch your video. So uh, where, whereas the other players are obviously very uh, dependent on CPU, which means if you're watching it, you can't actually use, use, uh, you know, use other applications. So it, it's much more flexible uh, in the way in which we deliver it. Um, we're streaming over HTTP as opposed to uh, some of the other technology that's out there. Uh, and that provides a number of benefits. If you, uh, obviously, you know the Internet is, is, is powered by HTTP, and um, it means that we're, we're able to provide much greater scale in terms of our ability to believe live, uh, you know, live transmissions than you can get. So once you, once you put a, a video into the Vividass format, there are no Vividass servers um, out in the internet or within CDN. So unlike other, other player technology, which requires additional server technology, uh, once you've got it into our streaming format, you're able to stream it across HTTP. So it provides for a much scalable platform, which is really critically important when you start getting into live events online. Um, and I'm sure you guys know, I mean, things like March Madness, which has uh, uh, happened previously, it, it, it hits a maximum in terms of going across the networks because it's reliant on dedicated Technology within the network. Where right, they had they had problems when they hit what was it like eight thousand users? That suddenly everything fell over because the routers. Yeah, I think I think it's actually I think it goes up to about there's about thirty or forty thousand per network, but they, but it, it it does it meets it, it reaches a peak. Whereas with ours, because we're just using the the actual infrastructure that's out and deployed within the internet itself, uh, we can scale up for uh, you know for, for for many hundreds of thousands of views. Very nice. So the magic at that point is in the encoding and then in the client, but not in uh, the, the stuff in between, you're saying? That, that's correct. That's correct. Okay. Now, where do you see the future of Vividus's technology? I, I know on your website you talk a lot about Internet TV, event recording, uh, but you also mentioned corporate uses. Is this something you're expecting companies to use internally? Uh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, we, we've, um, we, you know, we do and, and have done a number of corporate events. So. Um, the, 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 main, the main corporate activity right now is where we deliver um, the, uh, the, live, uh, the live address. So uh, we actually did an event just before, uh, before the holidays to, uh, to an organization. So that, you know, the, the chairman, the chief executive, or the, or the senior team doing presentations to uh, the rest of the organization. Uh, and, and bearing in mind you know, what you've seen here in the U.S., you can, you can achieve the same picture quality um, around the world. So as a global company, um, if you want to get your message out to employees around the world at the same time, um, this is a very effective way of doing it. So we're actually seeing uh, quite a lot of demand for, uh, for live uh, streaming across the Internet. Um, and in terms of internal use, uh, again, the, the benefit about Vividas is once you encode the video, um, then you can deploy it on standard web uh, a proxy-based server, so you can actually deploy it across an intranet equally as well as an internet. Now, you, your uh, your company is actually headquartered. Their main headquarters is in London, correct? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, we're actually a, a publicly uh, uh, listed company, and our uh, our headquarters is uh, in London. Uh, and then here in the states, we have our uh, uh, headquarters here in New York, um, and then we have uh, we opened an office in LA about uh, three months ago. And then also Melbourne and Australia. That's right. Yes. So when you talk about being around the world, that that pretty much covers it. Both hemispheres, uh, two big or three continents, and I, I think that pretty well pretty well hits it. Uh, we've actually got a uh, someone in the chat room right now from from Shanghai. So we definitely feel the uh, the around the world vibe. You're being heard around the world right now. Oh, excellent! That's great news. No, we're absolutely uh, you know a, a global company. Uh, you know. Sort of think globally by acting locally, but um, but but the U.S. is a very important market for us. There's a lot of activity going on here, which is uh, very exciting. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we deliver the video and the, and the call to the video, um, and, and that's important. If you think about you know some of the audiences, uh, some of what we do is restricted and is actually just done here in the U.S. 
but we're doing a lot of work with um, independent film producers, uh, you know, whether it's a film, a documentary. Uh, we can offer them the opportunity to put their film up online. Um, <clears throat> we can help them, and, and we have a, uh, as well as the technology, we've just rolled out a video platform. So we can actually help um, producers, content producers, owners, uh, help them you know, get, their, get their content up online, help them set up the e-commerce engine, um, and then they've got access to a global audience. So if, if the content is good and, 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 uh, and they, you know, the marketing is done well, um, then you're able to reach a global audience in, in a very cost-effective way because uh, you know, suddenly you, 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 you don't, you're not reliant on sort of shifting DVDs through the traditional uh, retail outlets. Now, uh, for people who go to vividas.com, and that's again uh, the word vivid, as.com, V-I-V-I-D-A-S.com, uh, clicking on showcase, uh, you've got actually a number of samples here. Uh, under entertainment, there's high-definition trailers for Transformers, Spider-Man 3, Ghost Rider, Casino Royale, uh, The Secret, the, uh, the popular uh, you described here as a cult classic. That's that's an interesting choice. Uh, you've got some sports videos. I, I really enjoyed the uh, Rip Curl Pro 2006. It's a surfing video that was it was it was like I was there. You've got some corporate uh, demos. You've got some advertising for Sony for Thompson. Um, I actually encourage anybody listening to the show to go to the site just to just to watch it and see if it spoils you on. You know, YouTube and other low-quality video. I think after seeing this, it's going to take something creative, some sort of creative editing, like we heard from our last guest from Current TV, to make anything other than full-screen HD acceptable. I mean, when you know this is possible, um, it's it's awfully hard to step back. No, and, and and that's the reaction we're getting from our clients. In fact, we were we just done. Uh, we were talking. I think your your previous caller was talking about the. Um, the music business. So this this, this last Sunday, we did a, uh, a live stream. Um, actually, the first one we've done for NBC. So we did it live. Uh, we actually took a satellite free from Times Square, um, and then we took it back into our encoding facility, and then and streamed that directly from there. Um, and they had uh, it was on the Steve Wilco show. So they um, they had a band called Finger Finger Eleven, uh, which is a uh, actually I hadn't heard of it, but my kids had. But um, and we uh, so we streamed that live for NBC and. I can't tell you on the uh, on the calls that we were we were having whilst the while the show was going. Um, you know, people were just and again, what's unfortunate right now is not everyone has seen Vivid Ass, and I think once you've experienced it, it's extremely difficult to go back because it, it is suddenly showing you that uh, you know the high quality is available today, whereas people I think are thinking it's still it's still you know to come we're able to do it today. So um, we're, we're seeing that consistently. We're also seeing we, we've. Um, Another example on our site, we recently signed up a, uh, a Cuban TV show uh, in Miami, um, and as a result of switching from a, a Windows media-based delivery system to ours, uh, within a couple of weeks, they actually saw their viewing figures um, double, uh, literally within two weeks, where people were staying on for longer, and then more people were logging on. And it's directly as a result of the experience of the stream. So again, you're, you're getting this, this quality stream um, in a situation where you may not always, so if you think about if you're at work, um, and because we stream through the firewall, you're able to get that delivery to your desktop at work. Now, that may not be <laughs> something we, we encourage, but again, it's possible to do. So suddenly, what it's doing for the end viewer is it's giving them the flexibility to watch what they want when they want to watch it. Uh, and I think that's exciting. I don't think, it, I don't think it takes away from traditional broadcast. I think it just enhances the viewing experience and the opportunity for people to watch content uh, when and where they want it. I would think the upcoming Olympics would be an absolutely ideal manifestation of this. Are you guys talking to NBC? Well, you know, absolutely, and, and you know, because we would love to do that. And I think, I think actually, that's a great example where you're taking sports from one location to another. You know, and you have all the problems with time zones and everything else. And I think, uh, and you know, again with the Olympics, you tend to get the main uh, the main events and the main sports uh, sports well covered, but some of the other ones aren't. And I think this would be great um, way of delivering that additional content. Um, so uh, you know, we're we're having discussions with various different people about how we can get that type of sporting content to uh, for the audience that wants to watch it. And again, it doesn't have to be. Empty. I mean, mainstream is really important, and 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 we're talking to those uh, to those broadcasters. But even the smaller niche markets, you know, whether it's your mountain biking or whether it's your horse riding, 
uh, we've got the America's Polo Cup for event, for example, um, taking place in Virginia. We're going to be streaming later this year. Again, it's a real opportunity for niche sports to be able to get through to their audiences. Super well, cool. I'll just, I'll just I'll close with a note that you know I, I'm of course eager for the technology to move beyond the corporate phase and and to move to where consumers can encode. Uh, video using your tools. So uh, I, I hope that one day, perhaps even soon, there's a, there's a consumer edition of your Vividest software. But in, until then, I'll keep looking for it on the Internet because it, it must be seen to believe. Well, thank yeah, you for coming on. I absolutely agree. And, and that's, you know, obviously, that's, that's something as we go down the line we'll, we'll, we'll want to do. We want to get this out and, and make it available to, uh, to many more people. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Ian. I, I do recommend that people visit vividas.com. That's V-I-V-I-D-A-S.com and check out some of the uh, technology demos, video demos you'll, you'll find there. There's, there's really nothing we can say to, to explain just how incredible this video is once you let it go full screen. And if you've got the capacity to run it out to a, to a big television, apparently that's even more impressive. So vividas.com, thanks for spending time with us, Ian. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time. All right. Well, uh, our final guest for this evening, uh, Harvey Brooks, he was the first notable folk rock bassist in the 1960s. He's played with Bob Dylan's live band. He played with, on Highway 61 Revisited. Uh, he's played on classic songs like uh, Simon and Garfunkel's Sounds of Silence, uh, The Doors' Soft Parade. He played with Miles Davis on Bitches Brew, Big Fun. Uh, he's played with, gosh, it just seems almost like everybody, Fabulous Thunderbirds, John Martin, Seals and Crofts, Fontella Bass, John Cale, Donald Fagan, uh, many, many, many other people. It is actually a, a great privilege to have on the show Harvey Brooks. Welcome to BC Radio Live, Harvey. Well, thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. Well, that was Philip, but but I'll accept that, too. Hi, Harvey. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're you know we tag team people. How are you doing out there in Tucson? Oh, it's great. I'm doing great. Feeling How's the nice. weather? Little gray, but uh, sixty degrees. Not. Oh, oh. <laughs> How long have you lived there? Uh, since ninety-eight. Ninety-eight, and you have a band there now, right? The Seventeenth Street Band. That's correct. I checked out the, your site there. It looked like you guys were having a lot of fun. Kind of a, kind of a bluesy, jazzy, shuffly feel. Yeah, it's 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 another one of those American type mu- band music bands. You know the uh, the influences of. Uh, Everything we've ever heard. How did you, how did that band come together? Uh, it, it came together actually uh, when I got uh, into Tucson. About a couple of years in there, uh, I, I met a guitar player named Tom Kuzian, um, who uh, uh, really good guitar player. Uh, he happened to own a market in town called the uh, 17th Street Market. Ah, I wonder what that connection was. And uh, so we started to hang out and play and. Uh, uh, you know, I do the, uh, my wife Bonnie and myself, she does the media, I do the website for the market, and I'm also the music consultant there. So we put all this stuff together. We started a music store, we have a band come, that promotes the music store and promotes itself. And it's kind of like a, a combination of music business uh, scenario, uh, a working musical day gig. That's fun. That's a great <laughs> it's combination. A good, it's a good thing. Are you doing all originals? You do covers too, or uh, it's mostly originals. And if we do covers, it's a uh, it's a, a classic uh, blues thing or something. You know, we use the, uh, the the covers to just absorb the style of something and then steal it. <laughs> well, I, I liked I liked what I heard. Can people? I, I look like you play mostly at the market. Do you play elsewhere too? Well, uh, the way it is now, we we play once a month. We do a benefit concert for KXCI, which is the uh, public station in Tucson. And um, uh, I'm in the midst of mixing. We have a new album that I'm mixing now, and uh, hopefully it'll be done soon, and we'll see uh, uh, how many different outlets we can get to get it out. But the idea is to uh, bring the music out uh, uh, for the people and just keep doing it. Well, that sounds great. sounds like a lot of fun and and tying in with, with other, uh, you know, with other work that everyone's doing, it really, it really sounds like everything kind of reinforces itself, and it's, and it's fun, and it's an ongoing kind of thing. Hey, well, since you're not originally from Tucson, I could, I could tell slightly by the, by the voice. Uh, 
let's go back. I mean, what a what a tremendous career. I knew your name, and, and when I got the the press release, I thought, you know, that that sounds familiar. And I, I think I even knew the Dylan connection, but I I just had no idea at the width and breadth of of all that you've done. It's really really quite astonishing. How did you get in? to this in the first place. I guess you were quite young when you hooked up with Dylan? Yeah, I guess I, I was playing in Manhattan at a club called Sniff and Court Inn, uh, which was in just, you know, a little local bar right near the uh, uh, Midtown Tunnel. And uh, I was playing with a guy named Chico Holiday. It was a trio, kind of Trini Lopez kind of folk rock band. And, sure. And uh, I was on a break at the, like the restaurant next door, which was a burger joint. And I got a call from Al Cooper. And sure, I know Al. Who who I had, you know, uh, kind of grown up with, played a lot of gigs with him, and he kind of introduced me into the music uh, business world. And uh, he said, look, I snuck onto this Dylan session, and uh, we need a bass player. And, and I will tell you, at the time, I didn't know who Bob Dylan was, but it was like a professional session, so it sounded like a great opportunity and uh, Cooper was was very excited about it, and so uh, that was it. You know, once I I went up there and and, and uh, got used to what uh, pop folk was at that time. I mean, it actually uh, just opened up a lot of doors for me. Opportunity when opportunity knocks, you know, if you're available, grab it. Because Opernockety only tunes once. That's it, man. What was your what was your background musical background um, you know leading up to then what what had you been listening to what had you been playing well mostly I was playing uh, <clears throat> kind of like I, I would play uh, Trudy Heller's in the Village mostly kind of like uh, R and B rock kind of things or um, uh, stuff like uh, uh, lounge music you know uh, some standards uh, Beatle tunes. Uh, uh, kind of like uh, black, white rock and roll hits, more more R and B ish uh, type rock and roll hits, and uh, that, you know whatever was pop that would be in our, our repertoire. How'd you get uh, in the bass? Did you start off as a bassist? Are you a guitar player too? Uh, well, I started out. Uh, I had a friend named Bob Rose who, in junior high school, in uh, Mr. Iorio's French class. Uh, brought his guitar in for show and tell one day, and uh, he showed me a couple of chords in the class. Next week I played a gig with him, um, with two chords at a church, and then I just started playing. I took a, a, a guitar lessons for about a year, uh, and then I started to play more and more. And by the time I got to college, I was playing six nights a week. Wow! Uh, in, in downtown the village, well, I got introduced to that through a guy named Sid Davidoff, who was a politician was Lindsay's right-hand man later on in life. But at that time, he was managing our little band. You know, and he said, you, you don't play, he plays the guitar better, you play the bass. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of dictatorial there, huh? It was like, you know, bass by, nobody else could, uh, would play it. Bass by decree. By decree, thank you. (laughs) Well, I I guess that prepared him for a life in politics, huh? Him, a life of politics, and me, a life of uh, playing music. And loving music. My son plays bass, but he's in death metal bands. It's a very different approach. Well, it's no, it's you know what what it is is it's a product of the times. You are, you are what's there. You know, I'm I'm so thankful that you know we. I guess every every generation says the same thing. I'm so thankful for the music I grew up with. Right. Sure. What's your favorite music now? What What are your favorite styles? What do you listen to? Well, I listen to mostly uh, jazz stuff uh, uh, from like the uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Horace Silver. Uh huh. You know that era of uh, kind of like blues, funk, jazz. Right. That's my favorite stuff. Soul jazz. Yeah, soul jazz. Yeah, it's it's well, it's funky. It's you know, it's it's the most sample music on earth. You know, it's it's so many of the rap hits are built around. You know, and you know, and I love Wilson Pickett and that whole kind of New York R and B. You know, right. Chuck Rainey, my favorite bass player, one of my favorite bass players. Right. Who, sure. Was responsible for a lot of that. You know, and then the other side of that, you know, is like Ron Carter and uh, those kind of guys. Do you play stand up? I play a little bit of stand. up I got one now. I'm working on it. 
I would think it's a whole different thing. You don't have the frets. I would think you have to push harder, be more precise. Yeah, yeah. You know, you 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 have to you know you have to hear more instinctively, and and uh, it's hard on the chops. You know, you got to really get strong hands. So um, I'm doing the best I can on it. I loved Willie Dixon. He's one of my favorites. Oh yeah, a thumper. Sure. True, a true thumper, and what a great songwriter. I had the privilege of sitting down with him in uh, California a number of years ago, obviously before he died. And uh, we, I was with, on a project, and we were looking for some tunes, and um, a friend of mine knew Willie. Uh, he was a trombone player in Earth, Wind, and Fire horn section, the original yeah. section. Uh, Louie Louie was the name. And Louie Louie knew Willie. And so he got us over there, and uh, Willie Dixon was a gracious, wonderful guy. And he, and just the way he talked about his songs, and you know, and there he was, this guy who wrote every great blues song, been in every monstrous situation, selling me a song, with sincerity. You know, it was just an incredible moment. Wow. You know, I mean, but that's you know that's what it is. I mean, he must have been in the '70s then, and you know, he's doing his thing. You know, I learned a lot from from that. Well, I'm sure people really would love to hear about some of your, you know, just absolute classic seminal sessions. When you were at that that Dylan session doing yeah. doing uh, Highway 61, I mean, did you know that you were doing something that was just, you know, so epochal and that was the beginning of an era? Did you realize it? No, I had no clue what was going on. I, you know, I was just, I was just digging it. <laughs> I was going, wow, this is cool. What'd you, you think of, of of Dylan as a performer? Uh, oh, I, I was in, I was impressed by his intensity, and by his creative energy. Uh, as we were, he was writing it, as we were doing it, you know, he would make his changes and his just his in focus and his intensity was just to, uh, totally inspiring. Um, I didn't, you know, it, it was it was kind of a, the, the music itself was. Uh, not and you know I I'd, I'd played some folk music I played a lot of R and B and rock and roll it was really different and and we didn't have a lot of time to think about it right you know it was just bam 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 uh, everything about it was high energy uh, I met Michael Bloomfield for the first time at that session and yeah that was quite a band with you and and Bloomfield and Al Cooper uh, Bobby Gregg great drummer Paul Griffin. Uh, we in fact that same band went and did a Tom Rush album. Ah, wow. uh, who do you love? I think was the name of the album for Electra. Now, uh, kind of on a side note, I'm I'm super interested. I'm I'm almost obsessive just having done the work with producers. I I was the author of the Billboard Encyclopedia of Record Producers. In fact, came out in in '99, and I got really interested in Tom Wilson. And you worked with him on that session, and then. Uh, from from your bio, it sounded like you moved on with Tom Wilson to to other sessions as well. No, no, no. Here's the reality of that. I oh, please. I, I got that out of there. I did not work with Tom Wilson. I didn't do Sounds of Silence. Oh. I know. I keep trying to get that out of uh, Wikipedia, but well, that's odd. I wonder why that's in there. Well, that shows you, man. Wikipedia, they're not always right, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, they they got it from. It's, it's a rumor. <laughs> uh, but now Tom Wilson. Uh, when I did Dylan stuff, it was with Bob Johnson. Oh, oh, so it wasn't with Tom Wilson. It wasn't with Tom Wilson. Okay, so Bob Johnston. Well, another absolute all-time classic producer, of course. Yeah, but you know, uh, and I knew Tom Wilson real well. Uh, but that was—I uh, I, kind of missed him uh, when I came in. He—he uh, 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 <laughs> he was moving on. I don't know what the scenario was. Now uh, there was some conflict there, and I know he had conflict with Simon and Garfunkel too, because he wanted a more um, contemporary radio sound. You know, he that that's the the classic story about Sounds of Silence is they had recorded it in their in their very acoustic style, very stripped down bear style, and then he was brought in. He he punched it up, put in a band behind it, and that's when it became a hit. Right. And so, of course, the label was super happy, but you know. Uh, the the artists uh, weren't necessarily that happy with it. Yeah, uh, you know, it only made their career, I guess. Huh? Yeah, it only that was their <laughs> hit, and they they were launched from there. Yeah, well, uh, so so I'm glad I said it was tangential. The Tom Wilson thing, since it turns out to be 
totally false. So sorry about that. Well, Glad we could clear that up, you know. We cleared the air. I've gone on there and changed that three three or four times. And it keeps reappearing? Yes, you know, like I've, I've, I've written them. I said, this is not right. I am okay. me. I was there, man. Well, that's an object well, lesson. I'm telling you, you can't trust everything you see in Wikipedia. Wikipedia likes citations, so now we'll be able to make the change and cite this show as an authoritative source. Oh, that's right, because we'll, this show will have its own URL, and it will never go away. Hey, I'm really interested in, in I'm, I'm, again, I'm just kind of going through the the, uh, the the sessionography here, but uh, you know, the Doors famously never had a bass player, but uh, as I understand it, you played on Soft Parade? Yes, that's true. So that uh, that's really interesting. Can you tell us about that and how that went? I know typically... Uh, or ideally, from their perspective, they had Ray cover the bass part on on the keyboard, right? right? Yeah, there's a lot of reasons for that. One, he, money being one. <laughs> money always is the first one. Okay. But I think I think in their case, uh, Ray was able to uh, make it feel a way that they were comfortable with, you know, because it it wasn't it didn't detract from what they were doing. Uh, for instance, in, when I did the soft parade, the whole scenario of that was Electra had just built a new studio on La Cienica in L.A. And uh, I had done some jamming with Robbie. He was a big fan of the electric flag. Which you were in, we should mention. Which I was in. And um, we'd all been doing gigs in the area. And uh, he really liked my playing, and he said, you know, we're, we're doing some stuff. I think it'd be great. I played with him and John Densmore, and uh, I met Ray uh, at the sessions. But at that time, they were pretty much in disarray. They were not uh, getting along real well. And, and so the songs that came in were not necessarily cohesive. Right. And so the role I played in most of that was like I would, I would like put these diverse sections together. So you were an arranger, too. Well, yeah, 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 I do a lot of that. It's, it's kind of like a, a lot of times, you know, you're in the land of the lost. and, and uh, Someone has to step forward. <laughs> someone's got to step forward. Uh, but that was what that situation was. And, and uh, uh, it was there was really a lot of good sections and things. And, and so, like, I just, you know, come up with a lot of glue. And um, some people hate that album. Some people uh, like it. Um, some people have a hard time with anything that's different. Right. Um, but I don't think it matters. I, I, there was a couple of good songs on there. Yeah, there's some real great songs on there. And, uh, and it was great. I, and I was at the, uh, oh, what the heck's the name of that hotel where Belushi died, God bless his soul. Uh, uh, I know which one you mean, the Bungalows? Yeah, yeah. And I was there for a month. In Hollywood. Yeah, doing, doing that album. And uh, I had a great time. They, you know, but like uh, I never saw... The band and Morrison together. Really? I mean, at at, at the doing, same time doing a session. Like Jim would come in at night. What was your impression of him? Uh, I spent some time with him. He's I'm, he's a nice guy. You know, it, you know, at that time everybody was influenced by uh, the huge influx of drugs and of a drug mentality. I mean, I always thought it'd go away after that, you know, but it really hasn't, I guess. Uh, but it waxes and goes away. Yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, he was just, you know, he was under the influence. Right. And uh, and there were a lot of reasons for it. Some of it was, uh, you know, he was he was given drugs. He was uh, he, he had personal problems. All this kind of stuff manifested itself in the overindulgence of the lifestyle within a rock star. It's just, it's it's incredible. My my blog is view from the bottom. The point being, I'm seeing it all, yet unattached but involved. I'm seeing it from the bottom. I'm looking out at it. Well, Harvey, we're we're actually coming to the end of our scheduled live hour. If you wouldn't mind sticking around a little longer, I know we've got a few more questions to ask. Oh, sure. Okay. In the meantime, I'm going to take about a minute here to uh, close out the uh, live broadcast. I want to thank you to Harvey Brooks, uh, also to Ian Molland, to Deanna Cohen, Alex Simmons, and Douglas Caballero, uh, everybody for appearing on the show tonight. Please visit viewfromthebottom.blogspot.com and harveybrooks.net to learn more about Harvey Brooks, uh, vividus.com to learn more about that technology, and current.com to check out The Fix, The Daily Fix, and the upcoming concert broadcast on Tuesday 
of All Eyes on My Morning Jacket. Um, tune in for the premiere of Frozen Chosen this Friday night at 9 p.m. and to the B-Sides Concept Album Program tomorrow night at 9 p.m. here on Blog Talk Radio. This has been DC Radio Live. We broadcast live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, so be sure to visit blogtalkradio.com slash radio. Type your questions and comments in the chat room and watch the live video feed. If you missed the live broadcast, audio archives are available online, or you can subscribe to the podcast at BC Radio Live delivered to you each week. Find out more about BC Radio Live and all of the other shows on the BC Radio Network at blogcritics.org slash bcradio. And we are now in the after show. We've lost our live listeners, but anybody listening to the archive or to the podcast will be able to uh, hear what we say from here on out. So thanks for sticking around, Harvey. Uh, my pleasure. I know hey, had- yeah, this is really amazing. We're just, man, we're just scratching the surface. What a, what an amazing <laughs> career and all the people you know. Hey, I, I'm just thinking rather than, um, you know, have, have any uh, diminution of, of the impact of it, rather than going on too much now, uh, if yeah. we could just set up a time for you to come back, we can just kind of go on from there. Because we didn't even talk about, you know, any of your later career. We didn't talk about Miles Davis. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So, I, I mean, I'd love to have you come back if that's if you're interested in that. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I and, appreciate it. Okay. Well, one, one question that came up in the chat room was uh, yeah, whether, whether you're those. currently playing anywhere, whether you're touring anywhere in Tucson or even outside of Tucson. Yeah, uh, the, 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 base, the basic answer to that, at this point, the only, the only uh, time that anybody can see us is the third Tuesday of every month we play at a a place called Barrio Brewery, and it's a benefit concert for uh, KXCI. That's the only time we play. Okay, and that's in, that is in Tucson. In Tucson. Um, All right. And, and it, it, our future playing will be based on uh, the demand for our music. Okay, and you're working on a you're working on a record right now. Working on a record, mixing it now, finishing it up, and. Uh, well, you know, we'll let those things because uh, we're we're uh, everybody's uh, uh, busy people. Oh, sure, uh, sure. You know, to go to go out and uh, that, the 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 going out and playing uh, is is for uh, is for uh, I don't want to say younger, uh, <laughs> less encumbered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, less encumbered, less <laughs> responsible, and and less knowledgeable uh, people. <laughs> Been there, done that, no better, right? Now you were you were also a, a staff producer, right? Is that yeah, true? Yeah, at Columbia. Right. How long How long did you do that? Uh, I did that for about two years. What were some of your did you Did you usually play on the the record you produced? Yeah, or was I, that some of it. I did John Hall's first record. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, From Orleans. Yeah. 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 Uh, I had signed him to Columbia. I did a guy named. Um, I think Chuck Plotkin worked with them. Uh, later on, yeah, yeah, he got the good records with him. Uh, well, the thing that happened with me is that we we put a band together. After that, went out to California. At which time I quit Columbia. Uh, we had a great band, but uh, it didn't work out. Oh, uh, they can't all work out, you know. You know, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, but the 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 thing I got from Columbia Records mainly was uh, an affinity with Teal Macero. Right. Who uh, produced Miles? Uh, he got me involved with Miles somewhat. Sure. And uh, well, man, that's a t- that's that's a topic that uh, yeah, we'll save it for the next. Yeah, time. I mean, that's the one that people have to hear. Yeah, I um, we we of course covered him in in the Encyclopedia Teo, and and I ended up talking to him, and he sent me his uh, he sent me about I'm not exaggerating like 30 CDs that he produced on his own of his own music. Oh. He's a fabulous musician. Yeah, it's real interesting stuff. Most of it was big band of what he sent me, of his oh. own stuff. It was. I'd love to hear that. Well, I, I would be happy to forward some to you. Like I say, I got like 30 of them. <laughs> well. It, it's a lot of CDs. I'll be, yeah. uh, no, I'll be happy to send you some. Well, we have your contact information, Harvey, so uh, I do think it would be great to have you on and give you a, a lot longer to, to spend some time talking about your your career and, and, and what's going on. Yeah, you know, we always try to, we've, we've realized that, that, that it's 
seems to be best, you know, to leave people wanting more. Oh, yeah, always. You know, and the only thing I have to find out is I'm in the midst of doing a lot of stuff. I have to make sure that uh, I shouldn't be blabbing too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well. I don't know, but that's I always have to check with my. Uh, sure, uh, I understand. Well, just, you know, there's so much... We, be, we believe that everybody ought to blab all their secrets on DC. Yeah, every out. one of them. Yeah, we squeezed a few out stuff. today, huh? Yeah, I get going. I, I just go. Well, <laughs> we there's so much to cover that we would be happy to only cover that which you are comfortable covering. <laughs> I, I don't think we'd, you know, miss out on anything. Yeah, I think, you know, the whole secret is, uh, Eric, if you just communicate with Bonnie... Right, I will. Yeah, I mean, we could do it, you know, soon, too, if that fits your schedule, just so, you know, we keep the, have a little bit of continuity. I mean, you know, like within a month. Does that make sense? Sure. All right. Well, we'll, we'll I will contact Bonnie, and we will just set up, uh, you know, session two and talk about your later career and talk about, and by later, I mean, you know, we, we really only got through the 60s, but, you know, um, talk about miles and and uh, you know all the things you did. Uh, well, my favorite stuff was the seals and cross stuff. I got to tell you. Well, man, we got to talk about that. Yeah, I love that music. Okay. Right, well, Your you discography much. is just you know <laughs> mind-boggling. It really is. It's, it's really I, I tried to actually. It's 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 so sad that I put the uh, Simon and Garfunkel mistake in there because I was given a pretty long list and I chopped out something like two thirds of it. I just apparently you know chopped out the wrong bits and left in the wrong bits. Well, I I hey, took it at face value too, so yeah. you know it's just as much my fault. So, but yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we just you know we just saw editing in real life going on there, you know, and yeah, we'll go in and change it and say here it's cited from the source. Listen to this, listen to this show, because it you know that's what's cool about this technology that we're using is besides being live, yeah, then it's available you know from now on um, in. Uh, for either streaming or, or download, uh, you know, podcasting. So uh, it'll be there. All right. Very good. Good stuff. Well, this Thanks, has fellas. been another episode of DC Radio Live, and uh, I do encourage everyone to check out blogcritics.org slash Radio to get a list of everybody on the BC Radio Network and also find links that will eventually lead you to this very episode. Uh, thanks again, Harvey, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, fellas. Thanks, Harvey. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.